0: Greetings, friends. It is the dog days of August here at Unorthodox, and Liel, Stephanie, and I are all on the beach somewhere, reading important novels, watching foreign films, drafting sonnets, generally replenishing our intellectual wells, lest they run dry. Yes, that is precisely what we are doing. So today we bring you a pre-taped episode of Unorthodox, but one that is no less enjoyable for being pre-taped. Today we are interviewing the authors of two new books on parenting. Jewish parenting, uh, Jewy parenting, but also parenting of all children. Marjorie, would you say that all people can benefit from your? Absolutely, Absolutely. Mark. Danya, would you say that all people can benefit from your book, even non-Jews?
1: Every last one of them.
0: Every last one of them. Okay. So it is our pleasure to welcome Tablet colleague Marjorie Ingle, who is author of "Mamala Knows Best: What Jewish Mothers Do to Raise Successful, Creative, Empathetic, Independent Children." Marjorie, welcome. Thank you. It's a long subtitle you got there. But wait. In the to, in the long subtitle department, we also welcome Rabbi Dania Ruttenberg, author of Nurture the Wow, Finding Spirituality in the Frustration, Boredom, Tears, Poop, Desperation, Wonder, and Radical Amazement of Parenting. Danya, welcome. Thank you. Um, I wanted to have you guys on to talk about your books, but I also was—I just wanted to hash out some issues of parenting that I think— all of us who have children face, and all of us who will someday have children, like Stephanie, you want children, right?
2: Sure. Do you have a, do
0: you have a timeline for that? Do you want? She to...
2: does have a cat. I have a cat. I'm, I'm very fulfilled. But yes,
0: um, some of them are Jewish issues, but some are just parenting issues. So I want to, I want to start with Marjorie, and that will be, that will be great, and things will devolve from there. So Marjorie, your book is um, Mama Lynn Knows Best. Really makes the claim right there in the overly long subtitle: What Jewish mothers do to raise basically awesome kids. I think
3: Danya's subtitle is longer.
0: Her oh, it is.
3: Okay, it is. Just, we're not, just wanted to clarify. We're that. not
0: letting her. And hers has the word "poop" in it, which in the subtitle naming rubric, you're not supposed to actually put feces in your subtitle, but she did. I don't know if that's a written rule. So, so, but in your book, you actually make the claim, though there's no poop in your subtitle. You basically say like Jewish mothers are they know something that that. I don't want to say that other mothers don't, but you didn't write what Armenian mothers do to raise Nobel Prize winners. You wrote what Jewish mothers do. So what is it that Jewish mothers do?
3: Well, uh, I did also say that, you know, as with the Levy's I Bread slogan, you don't have to be Jewish to be a Jewish mother. Right. Um, but I was interested in, I mean, where this came from was I was interested in Jewish history and the vast span of Jewish history and how successful Jews have been in so many different fields, in so many different cultural environments in different countries. Um, And, you know, we have Nobel Prizes in numbers way outside, uh, outside to our numbers in the population. I have
0: received an email about that. Is that, that it's a lie a from
2: both crazy uncle from, from and exactly Rabbit anti-Semite? Yeah. 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 Oh, nice. Everyone's <laughs> interested
0: in how many Nobel Prizes we've won. Right.
2: right.
3: But we also have Kennedy Center honors and we have, um, you Jewish know, Oscars
0: for directing. No. Uh, Pulitzer Prizes. Mo um, Rocco wanted to know what they called the statue you get at the Jewish Book Award. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> the shmooly. The shlomo. We said <laughs> the shlomo. The shlomo, right. right. And then he said, why not just the Oscar? funny ah, that's that's, good. Why, that's why he gets paid
3: yeah uh so that was really the genesis is what have you know and jewish you know mothers have always done the lion's share of parenting so what have jewish mothers done well throughout history um and i don't think of it so much as a contemporary cuz we are in this particular period of you know mega acculturation and you know you know jews are now you know regular old white people. Yeah. Like
0: what they do well is drive to soccer practice for their exactly, kids. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um, you know, and yell at their parent, at their kids, teachers, fire for, their nannies. Right. Right.
0: And I felt
3: that the Jewish mother stereotype of this incredibly meddling, neurotic person is not actually what Jewish mothers have been like throughout history, because then you don't teach your kid to be a problem solver and you don't teach your kid to be independent, uh, which is a thing that you have to do. Be to be a scientist, you have to be willing to, you know, smash paradigms. And if you're just telling your kid, you know, just, you know, get the best grades, that's you have to, you know, being a scientist means pissing off
0: teachers. Right. So let's get down to brass tacks. Like, what are some things that are in the Jewish tradition that then have translated well to successful, being successful, but also having good character?
3: I don't think it's all textual. I think a lot of it is historical and cultural. So because we have been raised in many environments where people have tried to kill us, um there is a sort of distrust of authority that runs through Judaism, which is, I think also you know, fuels a lot of our comedy. Um, and I think that uh, as parents, you you teach your kid to view everything with sort of a gimlet eye and to do your, you know, think for yourself, including okay? you, yeah, including you, as a parent. And, you know, I I, and we as Jews, we believe in arguing and that's, you know, to a degree you want your kid to be, you know, not when it's like time to go to bed. You actually
0: cite that Deborah Tannen research that I didn't know about that Jews actually she studied conversations. Of thousands yes, of thousands, she's a linguist. Of, yes. And but she's done a lot of work on gendered yes. linguistics. I didn't know she had done a study that basically said the thing about Jewish conversation is they interrupt more and argue more.
3: Right. And to us, interrupting. So, is- Marjorie, let me interrupt you <laughs>
0: <laughs> and 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 to ask you this. I, I, I follow you on Facebook. You recount a lot of conversations you had with you have with your daughter. Uh, there seems the older to be one because the younger one, the older one is very agreeable. There seems to be a lot of <laughs> a, a lot of sparring there. There seems to be a lot of very intellectual arguing, ideological. T- tell us about how, how how does it? I mean, you must be proud, but you also must be a little bit annoyed that that kid, you know, so is so independent. She, she is a
3: cartoon of a Jewish child in that uh, actually, like Mark, she is a na- she is a nationally ranked debater oh my, um,
0: my my God. ranking has lapsed but yes <laughs> right. back back in the day
3: i saw that my uh my mother's uh husband's son you got that yep. uh who is our age um that
0: also known as your stepbrother
3: i can't i can't <laughs> um it's too new uh but he still it's still on on the web that he was a champion Debater, I bet, Never I bet he too. likes to
2: remind everyone. Yeah, he does. Yeah.
3: Um. But who wouldn't?
0: Back, back, um, back, to me for a second. Yeah. Back to my question. I'm sorry. Are you annoyed with her? Uh, she's this is being your opinionated. Daughter. This is your daughter Josie, who's who's, who's, my, my, who's 14, old, my fourteen, my fourteen-year-old. Your fiercely intersectional daughter Josie.
3: Yes. We argue about politics a lot. We argue about gender a lot. We argue about we argue about everything basically. And she really like like you. She likes to argue. And. I do not like to argue so much. I like to argue on the page, but I get very anxious about arguing in real life. And uh, she, she's actually helped me be able to defend my positions face to face. But yeah, I enjoy it. I love that she's a independent thinker. And the fact that she's funny goes a really long way. I mean, if she were just the, mom, turn off the faucet. You're wasting water. Don't you care about the
2: planet? I would want to punch her. But it's much
3: more... Thoughtful than that,
2: because these things, these, this trust of authority, this, this, to, like these, these things that you're we were saying run through Judaism. It does sound really hard to deal with as a parent. Like yeah. you're going to be more argumentative as a teen. You're going to be I like,
3: send her the giant. A huge reported piece in Mother Jones about for-profit prisons, which is one of the things she debated. Um, It's a horrible piece, if you haven't read it yet, about uh, this guy who went undercover as a guard in a for-profit prison. And it's exactly her thing. And it's like going to take up the entire camp care package (laughs) because it's so big. But that's the kind of thing that, you know, and you want your kid to be thinking about moral issues. I mean, it's part of parenting.
2: Your daughter also, via Facebook photos, set up a library in her bunk. She did. This kid is amazing. Yeah. You really lucked out, but I think you probably had a lot to do with it.
0: Uh, that's what hopefully the book is. Right. Yeah. And there are days when Marjorie doesn't feel she lucked out with yeah. her daughter.
2: <laughs> so true. But what about all those As likes? All, are... As all parents As feel. As
0: all parents feel. But what about
2: all those likes you're getting on Facebook
3: for those photos? <laughs> <laughs> she said, I only post when I have her permission, and she's like, how many likes did I get?
0: Marjorie Ingle, author of Mamala Knows Best, and Daniel Ruttenberg, author of Nurture the Wow. We'll pick this up again after a quick break. You know, parents all the same no matter time no place. They don't understand that us kids are gonna make some mistakes. So to you other kids all across the land. There's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. I wanna bring Rob Danya into this. Um, in Nurture the Wow, Danya, you talk a lot about being Mindful in your parenting, and and mm-hmm. sort of paying attention to your choices. And I felt like you and Marjorie both wrote really terrific books, with both drawing on a lot of Jewish sources. Um, and you see, you know, Marjorie was kind of talking so much about, isn't it great when our kids talk back to us and when they argue and basically give us enormous amounts of Torahs? And although you're writing about having younger children than Marjorie does, you're basically writing about sort of how do you keep your cool <laughs> during all of this? Like, how yeah. do you how do you center your chi? <laughs> and I guess I just I wanted. So could you just tell us sort of what is it that you were drawing on from the sources that you think makes, um, at least makes you as a mother more successful? Although the jury's still very out on you. Like we at least know that, you know, yeah. Marjorie's kids have made it to high school almost.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I, you know, we're still, hopefully my kids will, will make it out of the, the second grade in one piece. That's still too determine. So, I mean, there are two things. One is that uh, there is there's actually a lot in the Jewish tradition about how to um, manage your emotions when you're having a few, because maybe there's, you know, some tiny tantrabee person who refuses to put on their pants, or how to deal with feelings about power or powerlessness, or, you know, how to make sense of all of the big transformative things that happen when you have a kid. And I actually have no idea how to raise children. Like, I have no idea if my kids are going to turn out okay. Um, I guess I need to read Marjorie's book and then
3: uh, I can do that better. They could still turn into Ann Coulter. At any minute, they could still turn <laughs> oh, into I, Ann Coulter.
0: I, I would, I would love that. I, I was, know you yeah, would. That would be yeah. so great. I thought you were going to put them on a stripper pole or a needle in their arm, but you went worse. You yeah. Went, you oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah. It's yeah. so much Every worse. Every
2: Jewish mother's nightmare. God right.
1: help us. But what I'm interested in is the parent's experience because parenting is hard, right? It takes a lot out of us. It gives us these new crazy challenges that we've never had before. You put the kids to bed one night. And they have some crazy developmental thing happen in the middle of the night and they wake up and you have a different child and all your old tricks don't work anymore. So I'm interested in the ways that, A, the tradition can help parents to manage all of this in a way that makes them uh, a little more present, a little less insane, a little more thoughtful, a little more connected to their kid. Because the tradition doesn't talk explicitly about how to do this when you're parenting right? I mean, Martin Buber is talking about, has his whole complicated theology of relationships, but he never actually makes the step to talk about parent-child relationships, which are unique, because guess what? He wasn't in the trenches raising little kids. The Talmud doesn't talk about how to take all of their big, wonderful, ethical, profound ideas and how to apply them to little kids because somebody else is doing that somewhere else. So Nurture the Wow is about building the bridge from the tradition and all the smart stuff they say to the experience of parenting, and it's also about What parents can teach the tradition, because if you build this whole concept of what it means to be a, a, you know, what spirituality is, what prayer is, what God is, and you're leaving out the experience of putting on tiny, tiny little socks and wiping noses and staying up all night because somebody is barfing, you're missing something.
0: In reading both of your books, part of what I was underlining and arguing with myself was was the amount of attention that you both want us to pay to parenting. And I sometimes feel like, yeah, Marjorie's like jumping out of her seat right now. I feel like, isn't the problem with a lot of parents is that all they think about is parenting, that they're constantly inspecting their choices. And sometimes you wanna say our parents in other generations had it a little bit right when they were just like, you know what? They'll turn out Fine.
2: It sounds like when you say parent, it sounds like you mean mom. That is what I was
3: just about to say. Is that I think a thing that fuels both of our books is a fundamental disrespect for motherhood and how hard it is, and that is a reason why
0: you know you're accusing me of disrespecting motherhood. Yes, I will. I will. I'm I'm accusing you too. Take you down, sir, (laughs) to Chinatown. How dare you? You're saying there's shame in my game. (laughs) There
3: is. I was that disrespect. okay, go ahead. Say what the what thing I you were going to say. What I was going to say is, uh, you know, Danya's book – I was that was what I was frantically underlining in Danya's book, the stuff about just how little our great thinkers have talked about the acts of – you know, the act of parenting. Um, there's so much about how to be an ethical person, but how do we make our kids ethical? And the mothers are the ones who are primarily doing the lion's share of child care, as I said earlier, in exactly the same words.
1: There's a real disrespect for – the labor, I mean, when you talk about, oh, parenting is one thing, it's like, you know, maternal-paternal labor is, is a thing in its own right, and it changes you, right? I mean, you develop a certain kind of a cognitive flexibility when you have to be constantly shifting because this person is changing in front of you every five minutes. You know, it doesn't mean, I don't think either Marjorie or I think that we need to, you know, they have our special little snowflakes Pinterested. They're perfect birthday magical. Like I don't know how to do this Pinterest birthday cake crap.
3: Yeah. you know
1: the like it's not it's not necessarily that, but it's like give some respect to to the work that's being done.
3: I mean, one of the things that, f- that I was so interested in was the Donald Winnicott good enough mother thing is all you have to, you know, and, and you really feel it in Danya's book, who's, you know, really parent- in the trenches of parenting little kids, is you just have to get through the damn day and you don't have to worry about perfection. And in fact, it's bad for your kid if you're worried about perfection.
2: Danya, I have a question for you. When did you write this book? <laughs>
0: yeah, right. In between all the pooping and the yeah. barfing. and
2: <laughs> How did you find the time?
1: For a few years, I was thinking about this idea and I'd like. I had a Gmail folder, and I'd think of a question, or I'd stumble on a quote, or I'd find an article, and I'd just shove it all in the folder. And that was how I did my research, it was over a few years, just sort of, you know, literally two sentences at a time, something would get stuck in this folder. And then at some point, I opened it up and organized everything. And then, you know, I was working part-time the year I was writing it, because, yeah, little kids plus full-time work plus writing a book plus sleep. That's more than 100%.
0: Now both of you Marjorie and Danya have husbands. And I would say Marjorie that your husband Jonathan is a little more present in your book than Danya's husband Nir, is in hers but not by a lot like they are both they play supporting roles at best. It's which is fine. It's they aren't books about your husbands, right? Um and it's because I because Marjorie doesn't value men and the work that they do. That, That's, <laughs> right. That's right. Because Marjorie's I time mail I always say that every marriage is an intermarriage in some ways right like people come to and you you and Jonathan came to it from different places religiously yep and Danya is married to a secular Israeli who doesn't generally go to synagogue with her lets her kind of do that <laughs> is that an understatement <laughs>
1: you laugh that, generally right? yeah is that
0: an understatement right. so i actually <laughs> that wanted is an understatement i actually and i i sensed i mean a little more in your book Danya, where you drop that in there a little bit that like he's home you know doing his thing on saturday mornings but definitely in both of your books i sensed that you were leaving out a lot about the negotiations that go on in terms of parenting and Jewish upbringing of children. And I, I guess I wanted to know, like, what, how have those negotiations gone? I'll start with you, Marjorie. Has that been, has that been smooth
3: sailing from the start? Well, one, uh, Jewish, Jewishly,
0: I would say we both
3: believe in Shalom Bayit, which means peace in the house. And anytime you're writing autobiographically and, you ha- and you're writing about your family, you have to think about, you know, how, what's more important, the story or the life that I'm actually living. The story. The and, answer and- is
0: always a story.
3: Uh, Well, I have infinite respect for, like, at Waldman, who people love to
0: hate. Said no one ever.
3: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Damn. Um, No, but, you know, the people—you know, I'm desperate for stories about parenting teenagers, and I don't get them because the people you want to tell those stories aren't going to tell them because— Because their
0: teenagers would put a needle in their arm and get on the stripper pole. And it's not
3: fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Jonathan is a really good dad. Yeah. but,
0: but it, name one thing that he does that drives you absolutely she was crazy. To do, she was about to do that. Let, her, let the woman speak. <laughs> Did you There's hear the butt just he hanging that there? Butt was <laughs> hanging there. He's a really uh, <laughs> good dad. Show us your
3: butt, Marjorie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I do feel like he doesn't understand the all, and um, I would bet Daniel would agree with me about there are so many little tiny things that the primary caregiver does that are completely invisible to the other person. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. And, yeah, I think, you know, uh, Nir and I split parenting, I think it's, you know, roughly 50-50, but there's a lot of things he does that that I'm not in the room. I don't see it. I don't know what's going on there.
0: And, and, Danya, because you talk about in your book how he is not religious, and you are, um, Mm -hmm. do you ever wish he were more so? Do you ever resent that you're not getting more support in the, um, the spirituality nurturance of your kids from him?
1: You know, a lot of the religious negotiation that we had to go through. The heavy-duty stuff took place in the first six months we were dating. Like, is this going to work out? Let's talk about what happens on Shabbat. Let's talk about what our kitchen's going to look like. You know, let's have a fight about who's ordering what when we go out for, for dinner. Um, we, we sort of did that. And when we had kids, I, you know, there's the theory, and then there's life in, in reality. It, like, sure, it would be nice if when I'm trying to have a little conversation with, one of my kids about some story from the Torah, if Neer doesn't, you know, immediately interject with, you know, well, science, I'm like, yeah, science too. <laughs> I like science. <laughs> and let me just download some, you know, sacred myths into their brains while they're still young and spongy. Come on. Some of that's it's a little annoying, but, you know, I had these big ideas about what Shabbat was going to look like when I had kids and then I had kids. <laughs> and like you know, the reality on the ground is fine. It's um, you know sometimes I see families where uh, you know everybody in the family is excited about Shabbat. And everybody in the family is excited about Sukkot in a different way. And yeah, I mean it would be convenient I don't, if I had more help. I don't know any more families. Help.
0: I don't know any families like that. I don't know any families oh, where like I do. you don't know a lot really? of Jews. I know a lot of Jews, and where everyone in the family is excited about Shabbat every week, or even most weeks, oh, Shabbat's no. great.
1: No, but everybody's roughly on the same page about what what it means that it's Shabbat.
0: Let's put it that way. I think that sometimes you get both parents on the same page, but then if you have a two, six, and eleven year old, I mean, no,
1: fine. Somebody's fine. Somebody's whining, but the, I, I when I when I, I, I said you. everybody, I really meant the parents.
0: Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah.
1: that there are some 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 family standards get set in a, in a way that they you know I basically have to anything that's going to happen. It's a little bit on me to to make that go. Um, But I accept it. You know, I I like the guy. I like the guy enough that I'll keep
3: him anyway. (laughs) Nice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now a quick word. And we will be right back with Marjorie Ingle and Daniel Ruttenberg.
2: Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated best play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamou, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by The New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's Spring Season of Jewish Culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Okay, I have a question. I don't have kids. I presumably That you may... know of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, yes, I do not, not have point, kids that yeah. I know of. I'm no Ari Nagel. Like, what would you say to me? Like, what do you say to me? Like, I would like to have a family at some day, like at some point. Like, what is your not like advice? Like, what is it like? What did you learn? Like, what what would you want to say to me?
3: I feel like people give you too much advice already, which is why I was so hesitant to write a parenting book. <laughs> and like, you know, I think that it's part of a continuum of people telling women they're doing everything wrong. Uh, the way we talk mm-hmm. is wrong. The way we and, you know, the way we let other people talk is wrong uh so i would say you do you stephanie you know you be stephanie and you know people will tell you oh to have a kid sooner how old are you can i ask that am i allowed i am 28 28 so oh god you've got time yeah yeah. and other but other people would say no 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 have the kid now and you know what just uh i would say chill and i think a lot of my book is and and danya's too is about you know making sure you don't neglect the you in the act of parenting and um, that putting your kid front and center and making them the focus of your life is where you know you end up in that horrible place of um, being you know hovering you know fanged monster mother
2: but it is so funny because it's only in the recent the last few years that I've truly started appreciating like what my parents did for me it took a really long time Mm. and I'll say to my mom like or to my dad that he would like, I remember he used to drive me to like sleepovers at my camp friend's house and would drop me off in New Jersey then drive back to Long Island. And it was like, last week I said to him, I was like, that was such a nice thing you did for me. And I was like, and I really appreciate it. So like, I guess the takeaway is that at some point you will hear that. Yeah. It might just take a really damn long time. Decades. Yeah. Decades. Or you could be
0: like me, this having kids finally make your understand (laughs) how fucked up and horrible your childhood was. I was like, oh wow, I'm so much better at this.
3: No, but there's that Mark Twain quote about how, you know, when your kid is little, uh, you're a genius. And then in the middle, you're a complete fucking moron. I'm excited that I can say fuck on the show. So you're a complete fucking moron. And then, you know, by the time your kid is an adult, you're
2: a genius again. But it's true. I mean, and I think we're so in adolescence, you hate your parents or like you're so embarrassed by your parents. But now I'm just like parents are cool now. Yeah.
0: Danya, did you have any advice for Stephanie?
2: Yeah, good luck. (laughs) I (laughs) I know. I can barely handle a cat. Uh,
1: I mean, you know what Marjorie said, you're going to you're going to like you're going to it's going to be everybody's parenting is its own unique mess and its own unique, you know, magical thing, too.
0: I'll, I'll say this. It's a bit it's you're not supposed to say this kind of thing. Right. I think people who don't have kids are more likely to regret it than they let on.
3: Uh,
1: uh, uh, I absolutely think so. No, no, Let me finish.
0: How dare you, Mark? Let me finish. No, the hate mail. I know the hate mail will come. That's fine. I mean, I know there are people who authentically, look, there are a lot of people who don't want kids and I know there are people who don't want kids and never regret it. And I know there are a lot of people who'd like to have kids and can't and um, that one should never figure, you know, anything about other people's choices based on what their parenting situation is or what their aspirations were or how much of it was in their control. But I do think that um I think we're meant to be parents. I think most people are.
3: I think that there is research that uh we could look Don't up. Don't
0: pull out your science what? This now <laughs> next thing you know Danya's husband's going to go sciency on me. I, I'm just this is my feelings Mark, and you're you're coming Mark, in with your western logic Mark, paradigm.
3: Mark. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think that there is research showing that people without kids, at least for chunks of their they lives, are happier. Are happier. Yes, but I don't oh, think it oh he
0: just made quote marks no, no, in no, the no. air. I did. Yes. Uh, yes, because it no, but Oh, and you agree too? A thousand fucking percent. Are you kidding me? I don't think. Do life you realize is about that the survival of the species depends on this <laughs> fact? Like, are we really that freaking crazy?
3: Uh, we also don't want to overpopulate. So people who should have, you know, who Don't have kids if you don't want to have kids, and I don't believe in second-guessing that. Um,
1: Listen, let's thank God we live in a time when people can actually make that decision. For most of history, you have kids, and it's on women, and your life is in danger every time you give birth, and too bad, you know.
0: But wait a second. Preach! Wait a second. Just as people who don't ever fall in love or have a romantic relationship, there's an aspect of—there's a glorious aspect of human existence they don't get to experience. They can still have enormously Mm -hmm. fulfilling lives— and, Correct. but there is this glorious aspect of human existence they don't get to experience. Why is it not okay to feel that way about parenting? and to wish that for people, just as I wish romantic love for people.
3: You are entitled to think it. You're not entitled to say it. Why?
0: Well, that's, <laughs> see, but that's not... No, but that's exactly Marjorie... <laughs> here here Marjorie. is Mark, the truth. Sometimes
3: thoughts go on the inside. Marjorie, you know of, what? Of Here's the, the thing. Here's the thing, and this is a tension between right us. Here. You
0: and I are public intellectuals. Our job is to say the difficult things. Our job is to say those things that we believe because we have this privilege of getting paid to say them.
3: I genuinely believe that people don't have to regret not having children and that people don't regret not having children.
0: No, but the thing I just said, I think is I one did, you feel no, too. No, no, oh, 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 no, oh, oh, ahead. Dania, on the inside. Go ahead, you
3: have, you have four children. You really
1: wanted kids and you liked it so much that you kept doing it. Like, why do you assume that your experience is everybody's experience? I mean, yes, it is a, an absolute, like it's this you know, strange, bewildering room filled with you know, these aspects of human experience that really you can't find anywhere else, right? I mean, it is unique and it is transformative and that's why I wrote this whole book. Um, and why, why do you presume that you, that your experience is universal? That's,
0: that's the thing that's, true. I don't presume in. it's universal, but I think that if you, when you have a friend who's on the fence about having kids, as I know, Danya, you surely have as Margie, I, should, I think that secretly you are hoping that they decide to have kids.
1: Yes. Cause I want them to be tired and grumpy with me too. <laughs> uh, and also happy and delighted and, you know.
0: Really? Nice. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. But that's a, that's a, that's a claim.
1: It's really good for me. Having kids was really good for me and amazing. And, you know, I liked it. I have three. I kept doing it too. But, but hoping they decide is one thing. But assuming that anybody who chooses not to have a kid, that they're secretly regretting it, even though they've given you no indication that they're regretting it. That's the, that's the tone that, that troubled me here.
2: She speaks for me. Oh, but also, Mark is a dad. Like, you are such a dad. Were you always a dad? No, I actually
0: wasn't. But I saw how much, I, you know, I had three siblings, and I liked being part of a big family. You were a and, born dad. I
2: don't, I, I don't you know. Yeah, I think, you know. think you you've were, been a dad forever. A
0: dad. All right, listen, we're going to finish with a lightning round. And I'm going to ask each, <gasps> I'm going to ask Marjorie and Danya to each tell us, both what they feel about this and also how they'll parent in this regard, okay? Oh, so, okay? So the first one is, how do you get kids interested in Judaism? So first, is it important? How do you feel about it? That Do you care if there's Judaism? And second, tricks of the trade, there are no tricks of the trade, et cetera. Marjorie Engel.
3: Storytelling. Everybody likes stories. Food. Everybody likes food. And Jewish camp is
0: a godsend. <laughs> Rabbi Donya Ruttenberg. Uh,
1: the Kuskarubbi said, if you want to... Study. If you want to make your kids study Torah, then they're going to hate it and they're going to make their kids study Torah. But if you study Torah, then your kids are going to get curious and want to know what you're doing. So if you want your kids to be interested in Judaism, you have to actually think it's interesting
0: yourself or it's just not going to work. You can't just drop them off at Sunday school and then go to the mall.
1: Well, hey, you can do that.
2: But right. uh, In my family was legendary my Monday, Wednesday migraine. That would happen right before Hebrew school. But then I have to say I switched, I was in Olive One, like you were in Gibble One, like the the first class, the high like the high ranking, whatever. Then I switched to Dalit Four. And I was so happy all my friends were in the class. Was that I, the Dumber
0: class? The Dumber class. Yeah.
2: But it was like it actually didn't matter. Like that I'd be in the smartest Hebrew school class, it turned out, because it did it literally meant nothing. Look at this, you're a professional Jew. It worked. Oh my god, it did. Totally worked. <laughs> did all not right. realize that.
0: Lightning round, second question. Intermarriage. Marjorie, do you care if your kid's intermarry, and what will you tell them and how will you manage that as a parent?
3: It would be a lie if I said I didn't care. Um, Doesn't
0: honesty feel good? Don't you just feel liberated to say that? I'm
3: always honest. You don't don't believe me, but I'm always honest. I care, but I also made the choice to raise my kid in a pluralistic world. They go to public school and I also feel like it has been a strategic mistake for the Jews to uh, be incredibly cold and snotty to people who have intermarried and that uh, there's research in my book from showing that that Jews who intermarry, the the Jew tends to win. Um, So uh, we should nurture that. And I do think that it is, I have many friends who are, you know, testament to the fact that you can intermarry and raise Jewish kids. You can intermarry and still have a very strong connection to your Judaism. Danya,
1: My answer is almost exactly the same as Marjorie's. Like, you know, I do care. Um, I do want them to marry Jews, but at least the children— but at least the children should be raised Jewish. You know, <laughs> that's my bottom line.
0: All right, Donya, we're gonna start with you on this one: circumcision.
1: When I was pregnant with my second, I said, "I don't know which would be harder: having to raise a daughter and child in in patriarchy, or having to go through another bris." Um, <laughs> I'm in favor of it. I did it with my
3: boys, and God, it's hard.
0: Marjorie, privileged to have no boys, <laughs> like like me, privileged to have no brisses. Uh.
3: I have a nephew who is uncircumcised um, in the Bay Area, naturally, um, and I admit that my visceral response was, no, you have to, um, but, uh, you know, still still a Jew. Still a Jew.
0: Still counts in the minion.
3: Still a Jew. Also, I found that even with moms who I have not necessarily been nuts about as humans, uh, the act of watching them during a bris has made me full of love and respect and uh, connection I've, that I feel to them because I think it's got to be the most agonizing thing when your body is like completely suffused with crazy hormones to be like, here, take my child that
0: I have made and slice off a piece. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, my God. My perfect child. Yeah. Am I wrong that they
0: still count the minion? Someone's corrected me on that. Dania? No,
2: no, no, no. They still count the minion.
0: Um, yeah yeah. Yeah, it's like tattoos you can still be buried in the in the in the uh the cemetery right marjorie one would hope one would hope with your big tattoos you you
1: and your foreskin
2: and your tattoos and your your tattoos and your piercings i have a pocket full of foreskins right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was a spin doctor's album
2: you guys i just got a text from my dad about reminding me to renew my passport with a, a Bitmoji that says so long suckers. So I just wanted to throw that in here. The parenting never ends. Parenting never no. ends. Okay. Oh. So last
0: Thanks, last question in the lightning round. This is going to be, you know, Marjorie's going to have more experience with this kind of question. Um, so we'll start with her. Okay. When your 14 year old says she thinks she's ready to have sex and wants to know what you think, what do you say?
3: Are there Jewish 14 year olds who say they're ready to have <laughs> sex?
0: I, <laughs> hypothetically. In, in the village there are, Marjorie. If you raise think... them in downtown New York... <laughs>
3: I think most fourteen year olds who believe they are ready to have sex are not the same fourteen year olds who talk to their parents about having sex. <laughs> um, but when I mean I got I got the safe sex talk from my mother after that horse had left the barn. Really? So yes. So, so it was four
0: years ago. <laughs> you had two kids. You're like, mom. Damn. That yeah. was so
3: cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. Um, so uh You know, again, in one of the intellectual conversations that Josie and I often have, she was saying how she has um, this this coming year in 10th grade, she has the big sex sex ed class and she's like, it's too late um, that it should happen in uh, seventh grade. And she's I think she's right. Uh, So I feel like the in terms of your kid being ready to have sex. I would say very early on, if there are things it, with the, it's the same as the drugs talk, it's the same as the alcohol talk. You know, you can always come and talk to me. Um, respect your body, respect yourself. Danya,
1: I mean, I, ideally, the both the uh, logistics, okay, safer sex and all that conversation, and the emotional conversation are happening long before your kid is fourteen, so that by the time, and again, this is all theoretical because I have no 14 year old but by the time your kid is coming to you and having this conversation, it's a continuation of a longer conversation about what it means to have sex, both in terms of the, the physical part and in terms of the emotional part.
0: Final question. What is the one thing you wanted to say about your theory of parenting that I forgot to ask you that you can now get on the air to on the world's most celebrated Jewish podcast? Marjorie.
3: When your kids are younger, uh, I actually think having a pet is very good preparation for parenting. I had no idea this um, was going
0: pet, pet words. Yes. <laughs> it's
3: so true. I'm not
2: having kids now because right. of my cat. Right.
0: You actually no, are doing similar. more parenting than People all of us. People
3: always like to, you know, to say, oh, it no, changes it's very everything. Similar. But it is very similar. It's
0: very similar to having a dog. But when your dog. kids are
3: little, it's all about they love the crate. You have to put them in the crate. You have to crate train them. They
0: enjoy it. You Wait, are, not, are we talking about the dog or the kids. We
3: are talking about the kid. We So are it's metaphorically me- so it's metaphoric. Okay, got talking it. Talking about the kid got it. that you have that it's about setting up boundaries and strictures and expectations and it's not your job to be their buddy. It's your you're you're a dog trainer basically. And then when your kid gets older, it's your job to let them out of the crate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Metaphorically speaking. Look, okay. For someone with two dogs, that works That metaphor spoke right to my Send your hate mail
3: to...
1: To
0: my zone. Yeah. Uh, <gasps>
1: um. So listen, we talk, about, we talk about spiritual practice a lot of times. You talk about like painting or running or meditation or yoga or your tai chi or your whatever. Um, but if you think a spiritual practice, it's something that you do. It's an action you do repeatedly, and it transforms how you think about yourself, and other people in the world and your place in it and your relationships and all of that stuff, then parenting counts too. So if you go far enough in thinking about what you do and how you do it with these uh, scruffy little monsters that have uh, come into your life, then it can take you everywhere.
0: Donya Ruttenberg is the author of Nurture the Wow! exclamation point, And Marjorie Ingle is the author of Mama Knows Best. Their websites are donyaruttenberg.net.com and marjorieingle.com. I am not kidding when I say that these books are not just for Jews. They stand on their own in a genre I generally detest. Uh, I thank them both. I thank them both for being on Unorthodox. And I thank you for joining this special Dog Days parenting episode of Unorthodox. Shalom from the beach. We'll see you next Camp week. Camp
2: ends in three days. Camp ends in three days. <laughs>
0: Our show is produced by Alyssa Goldstein and edited by Lee Faulkner. Our music is by Golem. And see you when we're back from the assorted resort islands on which we currently repose.